record. We are doing a new series today. I have to say it again for the recording. So here's one thing I want to talk about. When you open your Bible and read the New Testament, the authors assume there was a relationship with the reader, that they had a relationship with God. It's assumed, they're writing. So when you read the Bible, it says, to the saints, to those who are dearly loved. There's, a, there's an assumption of that these guys are, have a relationship with God. So when you read the letters, they're assuming that you are a follower of Jesus. That's good to know as you read the Bible. Um, you know, it's awesome because you want to address those you're trying to address. Like when I see my neighbor's kids running around the neighborhood and they're doing crazy, I don't usually go and correct my neighbor's kids. All right? I don't know if you do that, but I don't do that. I want to do that, but I don't do that. I don't discipline them either. Come here, you need a spank, man. Come here. I, I want to do that, but I don't, I don't do that, right? Um, I don't ask them if they did their homework. I don't uh, correct their bad manners. Why? Because they're not my kids. You know, good parents are very interested in the behavior of their children. Why? Because we know that our kids and what they do makes a big difference in the direction and quality of their lives. So I want to know. I want to know what's going on. You know, sometimes we come across bad parents and bad being, I'm, I'm sorry if it's lack of a better word, but it's bad parenting when you say you love your son, but you won't steer them away from self-destructive behavior, right? That's bad. And it makes me wonder if they really love them. Maybe they don't know how to love them. So we should not be surprised when we find instructions on how to live our lives or to conduct ourselves relationally, professionally, and financially when we look at the Bible itself. It's written to those with the assumption that you have a relationship with God. For example, the Ten Commandments is a good illustration. To whom did God give the Ten Commandments to? He gave them to a group of people. He delivered from Pharaoh, fed in the desert and led. And he says, here, here are some things I want you to do. There was a relationship. There was 10 of them, 10 things you should do. And so we, as a church, when you open your Bible, we're going to be looking at these life app topics. So this is an intro lesson to the series that we're going to be doing. You know, the church can lose sight very easily of the things we ought to apply to our life. App means application. I just realized that. I just always called it an app. But the word is application, meaning I'm doing, I'm pressing this button and then I'm gonna do something within that app. It's I'm applying something, I'm do I'm buying something. I'm applying something. Um, it's an application. But sometimes we can get carried away in church. We start with obey. Because that's what we know to do. Jesus says that. And then it turns into obey or else. And then we come across people who aren't in a relationship with God. And we're like, you're not right. And we start to judge those outside of the church. I remember when I became a Christian. And I had, I had a problem obeying. I started coming to church for a while. What are these band of people doing? And one of the, and so I started studying the Bible, and there was one guy in our in the church at the time that I actually 
liked being around. And his name is Bill Edwards. He's actually here this morning. Right in the back seat. He was actually my very first campus minister. But I was highly critical of our ministry. Because I, where are all the athletes at? Who plays sports around here? Bunch of nerds. That's what I thought. So Bill's like, hey man, let's go hang out. He, Bill was an amazing basketball player for being white. I mean, he was amazing. I mean, he was like a white knight out there. I'm like, this guy's, and I thought I was pretty good schoolyard, you know. Bill was like another level. And I said, I like this guy. So Bill asked me to study the Bible, and I did. And through the course of our studies, we had this time where it was time to obey. And I was kind of up and down and not sure and doing, you know, I'm not sure I want to do this. I kind of do. I intellectually understood I should do this. And so he sits down with me at a, at a little restaurant, and he says, hey, Gio, do you want to become a disciple? And intellectually, I said, yes, because it's intellectually, it's, well, you know, it's right. I saw the Bible. It says this. I should do that. But Bill did something that has stayed, stayed with me for the last 22 years of my life. And I think it will stay with me for the rest of my life. And I wanted to publicly thank him for this because at the time, I was like, what are you doing? What are you saying? He said to me, Gio, do you want to be a disciple? Are you ready to give up everything? I said, yeah, intellectually. Yeah. He says, okay, what country is your father from? Ecuador. We're planning a church in Ecuador this summer. And we want you to be a part of it. I was like, wow, application started to become real. I'm like, well, tell me more about this planning. Well, we're looking for Ecuadorian descendants and people that are familiar with the country and want you to be part of it. I said, well, what does that mean? It's going to mean that you will not be able to play. At this current time, I was just nominated the captain of my college soccer team. And I was trying to get a scholarship to the next university level. He says, you're going to have to give up soccer. And I was like, application became real. And I was like, I just stood there for like a minute. I just, do I really want to do this? You have that moment. And I said, it's just a game. God's more important. I said, let's do this. And Bill goes, that's awesome. I'm just kidding. There's no Ecuadorian soccer team going. I just want to see if you're ready. I was like, go, get He wanted to know if I was ready to apply what was in my head. And for years, I was like, don't mess with people. But I started doing that to other people. And it was good. Because you got to see what was in there. And I did it to some, and they're like, nope, sorry, I can't do it. And it taught me, if you're not willing to give up everything, and this is what Jesus said, you cannot be his disciple. Everything. So, Bill, give you a little shout. My first campus minister, thanks for teaching me. Thanks for walking with me. Thanks for being a great friend. He, he married Angela. She was also in the, we were in the same church together for years, and they got their beautiful da- daughter, Acacia. She's right there, play, and she plays soccer. What? Thanks. So I'm glad I had an influence on your life. So in the New Testament, 
It teaches that the apps make all the difference. They make all the difference. You know, Jesus and his brother James, they, they really both taught, practically speaking, believing without applying or behaving is the same as not believing at all. They put those two things together. And Jesus' version, I'm going to share it at the end, but he says it after one of his sermons. He says, here's how to apply it. And here's what happens when you don't. But his brother James says this. He says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. How could that be deceiving? Well, I know for me, I, sometimes I give myself too much credit. Oh, I read the Bible this morning. But I didn't apply it. But I read it. Deceiving. And, and, and we also, we assume that there's good in hearing. Like, I came to church today. I heard a lesson. Deceiving. Sometimes, like, I, I, was, I, felt, I felt guilty at church. But I didn't change. It's deceiving. Like, sometimes you sit here going, whoa, I need to change some serious things. And your wife's going, mm-hmm. Your, 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 your husband's going, mm-hmm, you need to change too, right? And you leave here, but we don't really change. It's, and so you deceive yourself. You see the words? You understand it intellectually? But there's not really a change. There's not really a do. So James just shakes his head and says, do what it says. Because those who listen to the word, that's the word of God, but do not do what it says are like people who look at their faces in a mirror and after looking at themselves, go away and immediately forget what they look like. You know that, oh, wow, thing we feel in the morning when we get like convicted, like, you know, like I said earlier, like we get convicted in the message and we get that, oh, wow, we wake up in the morning, we look in the mirror going like, oh, wow, I got to fix this. Right? We look in the, in the mirror. I don't know if you look in the mirror, but I look in the mirror every morning. I'm going like, okay, I need a shower. Right? I have leftover gel from yesterday. And, and, but in the morning, we really believe something needs to change when I look in the mirror. I got to fix this. I believe it. And then I go do something about it. That's what I do. That's what most of you do this morning. It's like when you hear a lesson, your behavior gets exposed. You go like, oh, I really ought to do that. And yet I do nothing. You know what the odd thing about makeup and doing our hair? It has far less to do with our quality and direction of our lives than our behavior. But when we look in the mirror, that's the first thing we notice. Like, I got to fix that. And then we do it. I'm looking at everyone's hair right now. I'm going, you all did the same thing this morning. You looked in the mirror and you said, I'm going to fix this. <laughs> I got a teenager in my house now. Before getting dressed was so easy for her. T-shirt, shorts. Now it's like... I come in the bathroom like... <laughs> blow dryers everywhere. It's like, whoa, whoa. Teenagers. You know, I made some of the biggest mistakes in my life when my hair looked really good. <laughs> I don't know about you. 
But I made some of the biggest mistakes in my life, and I look good. You ever do? You ever, you ever do that? You ever think about your biggest mistake? How's your, how's your hair? How'd your hair look that day? It probably looked pretty good. Right? That's what he's saying. We try to fix the most unimportant things in our life. But it doesn't change the direction or quality of our life. And so we deceive ourselves. That's what he's trying to say. But those who listen to the word. But those who look intently into the perfect law. That gives freedom. Freedom, really? Feels like restriction to me, right? Don't stop. Always be careful. Right? Freedom? Yep. Freedom. Let me give you a couple examples. Karen and I are committed to giving to God, saving, and living on the rest. When I first heard that, I'm like, that's kind of restrictive. But you know what it did? It created financial breathing room for us. We actually live on less. So it creates a breathing room. So when, when something breaks, you know, eight years ago, I freaked out. I went into debt because there was no breathing room. I had to get everything right. Nothing can go wrong. It felt like a restriction, but it worked out great because I had breathing room. It, it made such a difference. Sexual purity paves the way to intimacy. It didn't seem very liberating, but it made such a difference. God works through authority. Obeying our parents. Obeying the law. I mean, that was so, that's so difficult for a teenager, right? Doesn't seem very liberating. Yet it makes such a difference. Being careful what I allowed my eyes to gaze upon didn't seem very liberating. But it makes such a difference. How about forgiveness? Didn't seem very liberating. Felt like I was letting people off the hook. But it made such a difference. You know, my body is supposed to be a temple and I'm supposed to honor God with it, right? Doesn't seem very liberating when, I'm at, when, I, when I need to go to the gym or watch what I eat. This thing is not working. Matt, can I just go to this? Great. It didn't seem very liberating. But it makes such a difference when I sort of watch. I have this app that it reminds me to eat mindfully. Because when I go to El Tap, El Tap's our local Mexican joint. I want that burrito, but I want it wet. And wet means extra cheese and sauce on it. And then the app goes, eat mindfully. I go, <laughs> Right? I have to apply it. Otherwise, the app is worthless. And then, the app, then when I'm eating Jamba Juice, it says, oh, don't forget, stop eating when you're full. <laughs> this thing is not even making a dent in my hunger. But it reminds me. Doesn't seem very liberating, but it's going to make the difference. I can extend my life a little longer. Maybe see a grandchild. I'd like to see one of those. But those who look intently into the perfect law that gives freedom, 
and continue in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing, doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Application makes all the difference. It's the applying. Remember, the assumption is you, you believe. You're in a relationship with God. You believe He resurrected. It changed your life. He's saying, look, now you need to apply the things. And they're not restrictive. It gives you freedom, which is awesome. And then his, his brother Jesus closes out one of the most famous sermons in, in chapter 7. Not the Sermon on the Mount, but this is different. He goes through a litany of things that deal with our heart. And he says, therefore, and he gives us illustration because Jesus is great at painting the picture of the point. He says, if anyone hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundations on the rock. Mmm, na 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 na. Love that passage. I love it. Because it reminds me that just because I come to church, just because I give you a lesson, does not mean I'm applying it. I'm just speaking for myself. Doesn't mean that. You can be faked out with Jesus. He's speaking, but am I applying it? Those are the things that are, are count. And they, he equates what, what you're doing with what you believe. And if you don't do, then you really don't believe. When I click on that little app, I believe I'm getting the news. You know what? I got the news. When I go to my online banking, I'm really in my online, online banking. It's not like some made-up numbers, right? I'm really in there. I'm going, ooh, I need to do something there. So the Bible speaks to this. Jesus says earlier, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? We're all quiet because we're like, oh man, that's a lot of things I say, but I don't do. That, every time you read that, no matter where you're at spiritually, you're cut because you're going, there's something I'm not doing. Right? But I'm not here to condemn you. I'm here to enlighten you. It's very easy to condemn people. I can use that, use, use, that, use that verse right there and ask you 20 questions and you'll feel rotten about yourself. That's easy. What I want to enlighten you to do is think about your relationship with God and make a top three. What do I need to start applying now that will change the quality of my life and the direction of my life? Could be financially, could be relationally, could be spiritually. What are three areas? How about, okay, let's just take what are three things at work I got to change? You know? Sometimes the only thing we bring to work is a bad attitude, right? Maybe I can just change my attitude when I go to work. That's a pretty, I can, I can start applying that. I can be joyful at work. I don't like my boss. He's rude. He steals my work and takes credit for it. But you know, I can be joyful because I work for the Lord, right? Here's another one. Don't be deceived God cannot be mocked. Wow. Don't. There are things that I do that I think, this affects nobody. 
just affects me. It actually affects God. You know, when I think of the passage loving one another, intellectually and in my heart, I'm like, oh, I love you. And you think about it, because you're good people. But that's just intellectually believing and emotionally saying it. What about setting up time together? The actual doing of that. Takes time, it's busy, kids, yeah. You know what I've been doing? I've been doing something real cool with one of my apps. It's a calendar app. I learned something from Connie Dorner. Because Connie, Mike, and I, we, we get together pretty consistently. And I was telling her things I want to change. And whenever you tell the Dorners you want to change something, they're all ears. And they're very helpful. <laughs> so I mentioned that I have this to-do list. And she's like, that doesn't work. I'm like, okay, that's pretty direct. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> you need to put it in your calendar. So you know it's, it's a priority and it gets done. And I thought, I don't know if I believe that. <laughs> like, yeah, intellectually, yeah, it makes sense. But you, you go through the process, you're going, yeah, yeah. But anyway, you're going, I don't know if I believe that yet. I need a cooperation. So I started doing it because, you know, she said it so strongly. I'm like, yeah. So don't do that. It makes a lot of sense to me. And then I got this book in, the, in my Amazon. I got this book and I opened it, chapter one. To-do list, do not work. I'm like, oh, did Connie write this? <laughs> so from then on, Connie, book, new conviction, I've been working great. So we need to buy more communion cups. You know what I did after I realized that? I put tomorrow morning at 10 a.m., I'm going to go get communion cups. Because if I, if I put it on to-do list, this other app that I rarely ever open, last used, like 2013, you know, if I, I'll never see it. I'll never find it. So I, and she didn't, wasn't really that strong. I'm just teasing Connie. to be funny. Um, but I learned something. When I want to get with someone consistently, I tell them, hey, could we set up something every month on this certain day of the, of the month, every month? Can we? And they go, yeah, okay, can you get your calendar out? Yeah, okay. And then when I do that, and I press it, it has this thing called repeat. And I never put an ending on it. Because when, when it comes up for you guys, one, hey, Gio, I say, oh, I can't, I have my time with that person. And it's locked in. Sometimes it's every other month, every month, but it's in there. Because you know why? Instead of theoretically saying, bro, let's get together, I'm actually making sure it's going to happen. That's what I'm doing. If that, if that idea and that book and Connie's discipling of me, if that helps you, I would encourage you to use it. Because I found it to be very, very effective. Because people started to feel loved that I put them in my calendar and it's going to happen. And then I show up. <laughs> That's another lesson for another time. Right? Okay. Because I was deceiving myself by thinking, oh yeah, in my head, in my head, in my head, we're gonna, but I didn't, I put it on my to-do list, but it never took a priority until I put it in my, my daily calendar, what I'm doing today. Then it started to change. And this is Jesus, so he, his mother and his brothers come to him and say, you're stopped this ministry, you're going crazy, we're gonna pull you back into the family, stop doing this. And he says, who is my mother and father? Whoever does, does the will of, of my father is my brother and sister and mother. So what James says and what Jesus says 
are the same thing. The very, very same thing. There needs to be an application to the information that we get from God. Now, it can be easily overwhelming because you may notice or someone else may notice a ton of things you have to change. Just take three for yourself. Make a note. These are three things I want to change now. That's my advice to you. Because those who consider, there's another one, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and what? Their religion becomes worthless. That's what it says. I mean, these are pretty right-in-your-face type stuff to raise awareness that we need to be careful what we say and how we say things. I could say things that I think are, you know, I was, that seemed loving, right? And then I sit down with another brother and says, that wasn't very loving because I was deceived. And so it, it prompts that conversation. Are you open to being deceived in how you say things? Is my question. You do it all the time with your wife and your husband. You say something to your husband or spouse and they take it the wrong way. Well, that's not what I meant. Well, this is what I heard. Okay, let's clear up because I'm deceived. I thought I said it very loving. Well, you're not loving. Well, I believe I'm loving, but you're not. And so it clears up the air. And that's important for all of us. Because no one has, has the right way of always saying the right things at the right time. And so we can deceive ourselves. Yeah, I was pretty loving. And yet we were not. It happens all the time. So do not, do not be deceived. Be open to saying, hey, you could have said it differently. You could have, but I'm glad we had this conversation because we're clearing it up. And it's a great thing that we do that. Because application makes all the difference. You know, someone told me once in my house when I was doing paint, and gee, have you ever used this analogy? And he said it to me, unapplied truth is like unapplied paint. I don't know where he got it from, but he said it to me. You know, people do that when I come to my house. They, you know, they want to say things to me, which are, you know, I find important. I'm like, oh, this is great. It does, doesn't do anybody any good. The value, Geo, is in the application of the paint. Great, because, you know, when they came in, they saw a bunch of paint buckets in my house that I was supposed to paint my garage, but I've never done it in like seven years. But it's there. Paint's there. I haven't applied it yet. So they tell me these things. So he's not invited anymore. <laughs> I hope that when you hear this that you may want to consider being a doer and not so much a hearer or not just a hear just a, do both hear and apply because application really does make all the difference so I'm going to go over a few topics that we can apply to our Christian lives and if you're visiting with us, I hope you'll join us as we look at life apps that will truly change the direction and the quality of our life. Thanks so much. That concludes our service for today. And enjoy uh, some awesome fellowship. Thanks so much.